When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Chicago Audible podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. The Bears, they're looking to get back to 500 this Sunday night against the Los Angeles Rams, a team they beat 16-5 to just 11 months ago. But trust me, these are two very different teams compared to who they were the last time that they faced off. Now with that, I want to officially welcome you to our Week 11 preview show. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us, we're ready to break down everything you need to know before this week's primetime matchup. Nick, of course, you weren't on the postgame show. You were at the game on Sunday. Uh, you were able to take your girlfriend to her first game. You had to go for class. Kind of jealous of that. I wish I could say I had to go to a Bears game for class. But how was it? I was great uh, being able to go to Soldier Field for the first time and, you know, a good good amount of time being able to see a win, especially with the Bears on that four game losing streak. It was nice to be there to see Trubisky, you know, do what he did, throw those three touchdown passes. And I tweeted during the game like that was uh, I haven't seen Trubisky have that much fun in a game in what seems like a very long time back to 2018. So that was great to see just great to be among, you know, Chicago bears fans and to take my girlfriend to her first game and she sees a W. So it was a great time. Well, Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And obviously, speaking of going to a Bears game, uh, you and I were heading to Soldier Field on December 22nd to watch the Bears take on the Chiefs. And I'm pretty sure we have an extra ticket just kind of laying around. And I'm sure that one of our listeners would love the opportunity to join us for that game. What do you think, Nick? Is that something that we can do? Oh, absolutely. It's always a great time when you can join Will and I at a Bears game. We'll have a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, we do tend to have a lot of fun. So here's what I've been kind of thinking. We'll go ahead uh, after the postgame show here on uh, Sunday. So Sunday night, we'll kind of open up a raffle and that way people can enter a raffle. And I think we'll offer it for like $5 a pop. So $5 per ticket and all proceeds for that will kind of come back to help support our show and assist with the cost for 2020 and beyond. And Obviously, if you're listening and this is something that's interest of you, 
definitely keep a, a kind of your eyes out, your eyes peeled, because on Sunday during the post game show, we'll kind of announce how to kind of enter this raffle. Join us for the Bears Chiefs game. I think we're eight rows from the field, 10 rows from the field. So definitely want to get in on that. But yeah, Nick, I'm real excited. Hopefully, you know, someone gets in that raffle. We get to go to Bears game and talk with the fan of the show and a fellow Bears fan. Absolutely. And we, when I was at the game, I ran to a couple of Bears fans of, you know, audible fans. So I'm sure we'll, we'll do that again at the Chiefs game. But yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So definitely when we get that set up, make sure to look into that. All right, so with that, let's go ahead and get the show on the road and begin this week's game preview. And let's go ahead and begin with that Bears offense. They were able to mount three scoring drives last week, which really isn't a overwhelming number, especially against Detroit, but they did what they needed to do to win that game. And let's begin with that passing offense, since it was them who put all three touchdowns on the board last week. I don't think I need to go into great detail here where the Bears rank in passing yards, et cetera, et cetera. We know they're a struggling group. We know they don't rank well. That does, you know, that's just been just documented all over the place, and it's painfully obvious when you're watching the game. So, obviously, looking at the Rams' defense, they rank 17th in passing yards. Uh, they allowed 240. Uh, they're 11th in the NFL with passer rating against at 88.8, uh, which is very identical to what Chicago's defense does, just in case you're looking for a comparison. They have an effective pass rush. They have some playmakers in the secondary. So, Nick, to kind of start off this preview, I do have a big-picture question. Uh, what challenges do you see the Rams' defense kind of presenting our offense on Sunday night? So the big thing, and it's something that the Rams, you know, recently did this season is acquiring, you know, Jalen Ramsey because he's going to be shadowing and following Allen Robinson for the majority of this game. And we know that that is Trubisky's safety blanket. And what the thing, the thing why this affects, you know, the Bears offense, what they want to do is whether or not Allen Robinson is initially open, let's say the first read uh, for Trubisky is not there. Maybe it's a, a throw to Taylor Gabriel. He can't just go back to Allen Robinson knowing that he's going to be there open because if you do that against a guy like Jalen Ramsey, giving him that extra time to maybe cover a receiver, that can easily be a turnover. So that's why this game gets a little complicated. You can't just go to Allen Robinson like you have in previous games where you know, hey, I can get a completion here. Or if I put it in the right spot, it could be a completion. Now with a guy like Jalen Ramsey, one of the top corners in the league, you have to be aware – of where you're throwing the football at all times, that it's accurate as can be because one little slip-up, that could be easily be a turnover. So that's the biggest thing. And obviously there's that guy, Aaron Donald, in the middle with now Cody Whitehair at center and James Daniels back at left guard. We'll have to see how that plays out. But those are the two big things that this Rams defense presents that are going to give the Bears offense trouble. All right, well, let's kind of take those two and let's dive in a little bit deeper. And looking and sticking with this Bears passing offense, I want to know what are going to be some reasonable expectations in terms of being able to throw that ball because it doesn't really appear that it's going to be a game where things are going to come easy. Heck, nothing has been easy for the Bears when it comes to throwing the ball, moving the ball through the air. For me, Nick, when I'm looking at like just statistical stuff, I say if they can find a way to get 200 yards passing in this game, that's probably going to you know, not lead to a win per se, but that'd be a win at least in uh, success rate for the Spares offense. What about you? What would be some reasonable expectations for Trubisky and company? 
Yeah, I mean, Trubisky threw for 16 and 23, 173 yards and three touchdowns last week. If you get 200, I mean, you're making progress in that area. I guess it just really matters once you get into the red zone. Uh, that's where you need to make those mm-hmm. yards actually count. And if you have short fields, the yardage really doesn't matter as much. So I think realistically, this is a much better Rams defense than what the Bears saw last year in Soldier Field on Sunday night, just with some of the playmakers that they've added, and they've been causing turnovers. Really, the Rams, uh, it was really their defense last week that kind of kept them in the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, getting a pick six, and I believe a safety in that game. They were doing some really good things on you know that side of the football, but yeah, I wouldn't even look really into statistically like the yardage marks. It's really can you capitalize in the red zone? And the Bears, you know, for the most part, with the three touchdown passes from Trubisky, were able to do that. Yeah, exactly, because the week prior, they weren't. So the success has turned around, at least for that one week, and the Rams' defense hasn't been great in the red zone. I'll talk about that later on here as well, but they should have opportunities once they reach the red zone to find a way to punch that in uh, through the air, something that the Rams have been kind of susceptible to uh, all season long. But looking at some one-on-one matchups, uh, you talked about Jalen Ramsey. I'm sure you have him versus Allen Robinson circle. That's one on my list, but do you have any other matchups that you're kind of paying attention to as well? So I think this is a perfect opportunity for where you want to see one of your other guys step up. Not that Allen Robinson can't win that matchup because I think Jalen Ramsey is a very aggressive corner. And if you can get him on double move, that's going to work in the Bears' favor. But a guy like Troy Hill, who's given up some yardage here and there, and you have a guy like Taylor Gabriel catching a touchdown last week against Detroit, and even maybe if he's if you put Allen or Anthony Miller out wide, that's a guy that I would feel like Mitch Trubisky is going to have some confidence targeting because, again, it's not Jalen Ramsey. It's not one of the better corners in the league. So that's a guy that you want to think that Matt Nagy is going to try to exploit, try to target often because I wouldn't want to take that many chances at Jalen Ramsey even if, you know, Allen Robinson is a receiver. You got you to pick and choose, really. But Troy Hill is definitely a guy that you want to look at. Yeah, I mean, that's a big one as well. Hill on the other side. Ramsey, though, I'm excited to see this matchup, and I know you don't want to test him too often, but he is allowing 14.4 yards per catch. It hasn't been his best statistical year, and obviously Robinson, he's going to know Ramsey's tendencies a little bit, uh, so it's just going to be interesting to watch all game. And then, of course, the caveat is Ramsey's going to know what Robinson does well, too. So it's going to be a really fun matchup, and we'll see exactly how many times those two are going on -on one-on-one situations. And like you said, Mitch needs to pick those spots and pick those spots wisely, but it's going to be a fun battle on the outside to watch uh two other guys where i would maybe pick and choose where you need to throw this ball a uh, rookie linebacker troy reader uh, this is when the ba- uh, the rams are in base so when the bears are running some of those bigger packages uh he's uh obviously a little bit inexperienced uh he actually is allowing a perfect passer rating this year nick uh, two touchdowns as well allowed. Uh, Burton, he's dealing with the calf, so perhaps this is a good matchup for a Ben Broniker, someone had his first career touchdown reception just a week ago, someone who I talked about in the postgame show where you and I and even Brandon in the past, Nick, like we talked about Ben Broniker as like a, a you know, down-to-earth, you know, a gritting guy. He's always kind of underrated, and in his small sample sizes, he's been kind of effective. Do you think he can actually carve out a, you know, a – smallish role in this offense to be effective on a week in week out kind of basis. I know, I think he has the talent. 
I think he has a talent and he has the opportunity because a lot of these other tight ends for the Bears aren't doing anything. When you have Adam Shaheen, who's a healthy scratch, that lets you know where the Bears are valuing and seeing where he's at. And a guy like Ben Broniker, who's on the upswing with that touchdown catch. So absolutely to that question, because again, these Bears tight ends, Trey Burton, who's still dealing, he's dealing with an injury. Adam Shaheen was a healthy scratch last week. This is a perfect opportunity for a guy that's been really fighting for his entire, you know, career in the NFL, just trying to get opportunities. And like you said, when he's had them, he's made the most out of them. And just catching that touchdown, a testament to his character and to his work ethic that he's shown so far in the NFL. But I absolutely believe that he could be somebody that can make something with it because, again, none of the other tight ends are. No, they're not, and that's definitely been a problem all season long. Uh, the only other guy I would look for is another rookie in this defense who doesn't have a ton of experience, which is safety Taylor Rapp. Uh, he's been missing tackles, along a lot of yards after catch so far this season. Uh, the concern here is, will the Bears have enough pass protection to maybe push the ball far enough where you know Rapp's going to be in coverage? We can kind of exploit him, depending on the scheme that the Rams are running at that specific play. But that's at least someone in theory that I would kind of look to uh, going away from the Ramsey and some of the other guys on that defense. But Nick, how about you? Do you have any other specific matchups that you want to kind of bring up? You know, I think uh, if we're moving now to maybe some of the pass rushes versus some of those, you know, interior guys for the offensive line, look, Clay Matthews on the other side. We know about Clay Matthews. He's not the same player, but he's still Clay Matthews, and we still have seen how this Bears offensive line has played, you know, this entire season. So a guy like a Bobby Massey, a guy like a Charles Leno Jr., wherever they decide, hey, we're going to put Clay Matthews on the edge, you have to be aware of that because, again, any it takes just one snap for Clay Matthews to wreck a, a game. Just one. And Mitch a Trubisky. A game for him, too. Yeah, exactly. And Mitch Trubisky last week against the Lions, he held the ball on for quite a long time for, for some odd reason, allowing those Lions defenders to get sacks. So you can't do that against a team in the Rams that has been pretty good at getting to the quarterback. But, yeah, a guy like Clay Matthews, you look at, obviously, we'll, we'll probably talk about Aaron Donald not probably having six people trying to guard him. But, yeah, that's another guy that you just don't want to have affect the game plan for the Bears. I mean, you kind of took the shortcut. So we're talking about these guys now. Clay Matthews, he worries me deciding, you know, depending on which side he lines up, I'm still equally as worried. Bobby Massey, Charles Leno Jr., either way, I'll be sweating bullets because not only has Clay Matthews been the most disruptful pass rusher on the team this year, he doesn't lead him in sacks, but it's because he missed time because of that injury that he had. He has seven sacks in six games, and he's putting on more pressures on quarterbacks than on a more uh, per-snap basis than anyone else on this Rams defense. And God, Nick, you know it, I know it, everyone listening knows it. Clay Matthews always tends to play at a different level when he's playing the Bears, right? He sure does. I, I just you when he got out of the division, it was great. Clay Matthews Kinda. isn't there, <laughs> and playing now him. you know the past. Yeah, past two or this year now, you see that he's back. So hopefully, he doesn't have one of those uh, you know games that we're accustomed to seeing against the Bears. But yeah, he's definitely been someone that's just been a game wrecker. What, but you can't even discount the other guy on the edge too, Dante Fowler. Uh, he leads the Rams with forty-five pressures and nine sacks. Uh, he does kind of split the reps on each end very evenly. So yet another guy where I expect them to move Matthews and Fowler around a lot to kind of keep them, you know, both Massey and Leno Jr. on their toes where they can't really get used to one guy. And that's going to be a problem because 
I don't even know if Leno Jr. or Bobby Massey could get used to a single pass rusher and hold their own against either of these two. But Dante Fowler, like I said, really good at getting after quarterbacks. And even when he's not able to get all the way home and to get a sack or a quarterback hit or a true pressure, he has a knack of batting down the ball at the line of scrimmage, going up, reading a quarterback's eyes, and knocking that sucker down. I think I saw that he has two batted balls so far this season. So and that's something that we've seen Trubisky, he tends to get those a lot. And I'm sure that's an issue with his eyes. I mean, that's another discussion for a different day. But this is one where Dante Fowler may be able to disrupt some plays without even getting all the way to Trubisky. Uh, anything you want to mention on Fowler? No, I mean, he's a great player, remember? But... Remember when Tariq Cohen stood him up last season when he came on that block? But that blew up. I think. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. See, uh, Dante Fowler uh, responded to one of one of the tweets there. I'm like, oh, boy, I don't want any of this. Bring out Tariq Cohen. He'll take care of you there. <laughs> well, right. Obviously, Aaron Donald, you've already kind of hit on this one, and he's someone that you almost don't have to say anything else besides the name. But he's going to yep. be going up, like you said, Cody Whitehair, a James Daniels, Unfortunately, a Rashad Coward, that would be an easy mismatch for them on any given play. He lines up all across that defensive front, so he's going to get his uh, matchups. How would you kind of game plan against Donald? Are you double-teaming him every single play? Because on one hand, I say, yeah, you're probably going to have to. But on the other, if you do that and you allow any of these other guys with true one-on-one situations every single time, I think that can also be a recipe for some disaster. Yeah, so you have to really choose when you're – I don't think you could double-team them every single time because, like, we just mentioned all the other guys that are capable of getting to the quarterback, but if he's lined up and shading inside, uh, let's say, of the left guard, run the opposite way. You don't want the, – these kind of guys win these one-on-one matchups more times than not and because usually they're double-teamed or even triple-teamed or get, you know, uh, an extra helper with the tight end or the, the running back in the middle. So you have to be smart – when you're running plays, oh, David Montgomery run to the right should be running opposite of Aaron Donald. That's just how it should be. And that's what teams are really doing to Cleo Mack on the other side. We'll get to that discussion in a little bit, but you have to pick and choose and be smart about your play calling. And Matt Nagy obviously will bring this into the game plan. They have, it's, it's nice that they played him once and they did a really good job of limiting what Aaron Donald was able to do. Again, We'll see how that goes now with the position switch, but that's what they were familiar with last season. And there were still some hiccups on the offensive line. You can't have bad snaps, though. From Cody Whitehair, that will help Aaron Donald every single time, just getting that extra second. So that needs to be cleaned up for this game especially. But, yeah, you just got to be smart. Know when to double-team him. He's going to be double-teamed often, but you got to be smart when you do it. Yeah, I'm hopeful that Cody Whitehair can find a way to fix those snapping issues because he was able to fix them in 2018 because that was a big problem. We talked about it in great length in the podcast in 2017. Each and every week, I think we had like a segment, like how many low snaps or bad snaps can Cody Whitehair have this game? And 2018, that became a non-factor. But then he got switched back. He's a little rusty. Hopefully last week was all he needed to kind of knock that rust off, and then those can be fixed. Because like you said, just that extra second is the difference of – 
uh, you know, us completing a pass and Trubisky going down for a sack, Aaron Donald on top of him, or heck, even an interception because of how it throws off the timing between a quarterback and his receivers as well going through their entire uh, route. So, yeah, uh, obviously to me, when you're looking at the offensive line, on top of just winning your assignments, winning these matchups, Cody White here, those snaps, that's a big part of this as well. If you're going to make the position switch again, he better be able to put that ball right in the breadbasket for Trubisky to make sure all these time, uh, plays are on time. But looking at that Rams defensive front, they're not just good at harassing passers. They're also pretty damn stout against the run, uh, just as the entire Rams defense as a whole. Teams try to run out of the Rams. Uh, on average, They attempt uh, teams attempt 27 runs against them per game, which is the 10th most, but the Rams allow the second least yards per carry at 3.3 and they allow only 90 yards per game on the ground on average which i believe is like sixth in the nfl and i think if you're looking at the bears uh, they've only reached 90 yards or more three times all season david montgomery he's dealing with an ankle injury that he rolled in practice are you do you have any faith that we can actually establish a run this week we we actually may actually see ryan Nall in the backfield because of this injury to David Montgomery. Where is your confidence in terms of the Bears' ability to effectively run this ball against a Rams defense that hasn't allowed many teams to do it? You know what? I think the Bears' running game is actually going to be the quick passing game. That's what it's probably going to look like in this one. And it wasn't a good week to, obviously, for the compensatory pick, getting rid of Mike Davis. But now that David Montgomery is dealing with this you know, ankle injury, It's not looking good in terms of the running back committee that the Bears might bring in into this game on Sunday. So just seeing how this can all shape up, obviously we don't know Montgomery's status, what it'll be for Sunday, but it's not looking good. So I think what it's really going to look like is going to be an extension of the short passing game, getting out to the flat, which really hasn't worked much for the Bears, but... This Rams defensive front has done a great job just staying in their lane, staying disciplined. And when you have guys like Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler, and Clay Matthews that know how to contain, it really makes the jobs for Sebastian Joseph Day like a lot easier mm-hmm. to, one, either fill the lanes or just allow these linebackers to clean everything up. It's not going to be an easy day for sure for the Bears running backs, and we just don't even know which ones are going to – or if David Montgomery, the feature back, is going to be available. Yeah, the timing couldn't be any worse if you're the Chicago Bears. You know, you get that draft pick, which, I mean, at this point, at the point, yeah, you needed that more than you needed the guy in your roster. And then this is the week where maybe you need the guy on the roster. But, I mean, we say that, but even in his limited touches, Mike Davis wasn't effective. No, no, absolutely not. But it would have been nice just to have a body in this game <laughs> just because of how it's shaping up. You know, Ryan Nall's listening, and he's probably going to bust out like a 60-yard run on like his four carries he's going to get and shut us all up real quick. Actually, it's probably going to – again, we were just talking about this before the show. We went live. He did have, I think in the last preseason game, a 69-yard run. So maybe he'll bust out one of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have anything else on the game in general for the Rams defense, Bears offense? Again, it's pretty much you know status quo for the Bears offense, a unit that struggles to – Sustained drives, reach the red zone. Once they reach the red zone, you don't know what you're going to get either, and they're going up against a pretty good defense. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting how Matt Nagy plays this when there's so many playmakers on this Rams defense right now, and they will score the ball. They've done that. Uh, just go look to last week against Pittsburgh. You can't have bad snaps. That's what happened against Pittsburgh. There's a bad snap. The Rams are able to capitalize, and boom, there's a there's a touchdown the Rams' way. You can't allow that to happen 
uh, especially because the Rams' offense has been struggling. We'll we'll talk about that. But, yeah, it's going to be Mitch Trubisky being precise with his throws, knowing when to take risks at Jalen Ramsey because you can't just not throw to that side or throw to your best target, Allen Robinson, because like we were saying, he that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic, the game, the game plan that Matt Nagy has, and it should be a good matchup, favoring, of course, the Rams. But let's see what the Rams or the Bears offense can actually do in this one. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, red zone, third down. Bears offense in the red zone. They're back up to 10th, uh, 60.9%. The Rams defense is 18th in the NFL at 56.7% allowed. So the Bears offense should have some opportunities here. Like I mentioned, uh, the issue with this Bears offense in the red zone is very inconsistent. Very effective one game, uh, very much stagnant and another. So for them, finding some consistency in the red zone is going to be really huge this week. And on third down, the Bears' offense keeps dropping down the rankings. They're down to 29th in the NFL, only converting on 29.8% of all third downs, just to go to show just how hard, uh, you know, how poor third situations they're putting themselves into. And secondly, just how bad they've been actually converting those situations no matter the, you know, the down and distance. So that's a big area where the Bears need to improve on offense. The Rams defense, uh, middle of the road here on third down, allowing teams to convert on about 30 percent of those plays but it's time to find out who has the edge and nick you're up first bears offensive line rams fast rush tough one i mean did i say rams did i, I just said rams you said rams uh i have to go with the rams <laughs> the rams pass rush uh they have a lot of guys that can get after the quarterback and we just don't know look the bears did a great job the first time against against the rams and stopping aaron donald i don't know how many times you could consistently do that against you know, arguably the best defensive player in football. So we'll see what happens. I think you're going to have to see Mitch Trubisky running a little bit in this one to avoid the pocket when it starts to collapse, but I have to give it to the Rams. Yeah, I don't think lightning is going to strike twice in terms of stopping Aaron Donald. If we had the same offensive line as last year, which oddly enough we do, but it's not they're not playing the same, then I would feel a bit more confident. But uh, not the way they've been looking so far this season. Uh, the one for me, I'm going to give myself Bears ground game versus that Rams run defense. We talked about it. Uh, Montgomery's dealing with an ankle. You just talked about how big the mismatch is between the offensive line and that front. It's an easy one. This one's going to the Rams as well. Again, Bears only have two games all year where they've had over 90 yards on the ground, and the Rams defense has the second-least yards per carry. Yeah, uh, not really confident there. So got to give the edge over two. The Rams and Nick for both of us, Bears passing game versus Rams secondary. It's sad I laugh even just like scoffing at the idea like we have to debate this, right? Yeah, but the uh, the thing but, with that uh so with with the secondary for the Rams, I think it's really it's a it's a one man show and he hasn't been playing all that well, Jalen Ramsey, right? And the Bears are kind of—I wouldn't say they're on the uptrend, but Trubisky did have a, you know, a somewhat of a decent game. And if they're look, I said the extension of the run game is going to be in the short passing game. I'm expecting some yak from these wide receivers, so I'm actually going to give it to the Bears on this one that they'll have the better day when it comes down to it. Uh, Bears passing attack versus that Rams secondary. All right, well, I'll flip it. I'm going to give it to the Rams secondary because the pass rush is going to limit what that, you know, it's going to really help that secondary out. We know a thing or two how those two kind of coincide here in Chicago. Uh, secondly, Nick, I think you forgot what we said last week in the preview show is if the Bears offense does anything against Detroit, don't, you know, don't, you have to take that with lots of grain of salt. I think you forgot yeah, to put some true. salt in your notes. So 
Uh, make sure you go back <laughs> and do that. Uh, and then in terms of the receivers getting a lot of yak, it's still something I haven't seen out of these group. They can't really shed, uh, make a lot of plays uh, along the perimeter in those situations. So for me, I'm going to go ahead and swing it back over to the Rams. But I want to know who is going to be your X factor on offense. I'm going to go with Taylor Gabriel as the X factor. Like I said, Jalen Ramsey is going to be on Allen Robinson for a majority of this game. But the extension of the run game will be that short passing game. And I think I have a feeling that Taylor Gabriel is going to break one of these. I know we haven't seen a lot of yak, but it has to happen at some point where Matt Nagy just gets these guys in space, especially the offensive linemen, maybe just to have these these blocks set up for, you know, a screen downfield. And then you can go and make that a big play. We need to see more of those just big plays. But I think the X factor, Taylor Gabriel, he has a good game. That's going to, you know, bode well for this Bears offense. You bring that up, and that's such another great point. The Bears have not done a great job of blocking those screenplays this year and really setting guys up for success. That's another really good point. Uh, for me, it just feels like a week, Nick, where you have to just give it to the entire offensive line. You yeah. really do. Like No matter where you look, Bobby Massey, Charles Leno Jr., all three guys on the interior, they're going to be tested all game long. And not only do they need to be on their A game, but the Bears – like you said, they need a strategy how to find ways to mitigate uh, the impact of an Aaron Donald and a guy like Clay Matthews, who, again, always seems to have the Bears number. Just make sure they don't completely destroy the game plan. And you said it. If teams can find a way to take Cleo Mack, the Bears offense can find a way to limit the disruption from the Rams this Sunday. But if that unit fails or if one cog in the machine starts to fail and everyone else struggles, well, we know what kind of offense we're going to see if that happens, and it's not really pretty. So for me, it's going to be the Bears' offensive line. All right, well, up next, we're going to go ahead and talk about that Chicago Bears defense and what they have to do to stop that Rams offense. Before we do, I need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, Wrigleyville Sports. Wrigleyville Sports is one of the premier Chicago sports merchandise stores in the entire city of Chicago, and their goal is to bring the city team gear happiness straight to the fans. So if you're looking for any of the latest Bears gear, they have it. They have hats. They have jerseys. They have sunglasses. They have all the new latest you know gear that's hitting in uh, for the cold weather. So definitely want to check out WrigleyvilleSports.com. They also have quite the selection. Like I said, holiday merch is coming in. So check it out if you're looking for any Bears like ornaments, gift tags to make your season a little bit more festive and really cool thing here we can get you 15% off and free shipping on your order and all you have to do is use our promo code audible a-u-d-i-b-l-e and that gets you again 15% off and free shipping on any order of $25 or more at wrigleyvillesports.com one more time for that promo code is audible a-u-d-i-b-l-e plug that in at wrigleyvillesports.com and you'll get 15% off and free shipping on any order of $25 or more all righty. Well, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us are previewing the Bears-Rams game here coming up on Sunday night. And we're at the halfway point of the show. It's time to kind of turn the tables and take a look at that Bears defense. They're now without two leaders right in the heart and soul of that defense. Uh, Danny Trevathan now joins Akeem Hicks as yet another big-time Bears defender to go down to injury. Nevertheless, though, Nick Wachowski did step up in a big way after being thrust into action last week. And Nick, since you weren't able to be on the postgame show, I'm just curious to your thoughts on Quick. Uh, because obviously, Trevathan, that's going to be a huge loss. But can Kwiatkowski play at a level that you think that's needed to ensure that the impact of this injury is minimal for the remainder of the year? And again, no official word on Trevathan, but not really expecting him to return. 
Yeah, uh, that that was a nasty injury. I didn't even see it actually happen when it did happen. But look, the Bears are going to obviously miss a big part of Trevathan's game when it comes to actually covering and in coverage and pass coverage specifically. But I think in this game, especially with how the Rams have been really inconsistent with the run game, this will help Nick Krakowski be able to be effective in this one and stopping Todd Gurley, who is not having a great season. So for this game, I like Nick Krakowski. For the long run, when you maybe have to have uh, where you, a lot of teams are going to those three, three, four wide receiver sets where he has to cover the middle. That's where you're going to see it. And it could happen, especially in this game too. But Nick Krakowski played pretty darn well filling in for Danny Trevathan, just on the spot, getting an interception, just filling his lanes, making tackles. So Nick Krakowski is a guy that the Bears have relied on in the past. He's not a Danny Trevathan, but he is a guy that you, you can feel comfortable with for sure. All right, well, let's look at this game specifically. The Rams, they've been struggling on offense as of late. A lot of their struggles begin with their offensive line, and I'm not going to go into the super nitty-gritty of all the details of the injuries and the position switches up there. I thought our guest on Tuesday did a really great job of providing all of that detail. Uh, all we need to know for this show is two things. One, the offensive line is just very, very bad. Like bad, 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 bad. They have three guys who have a combined four NFL starts, uh, left guard Corbett or Corbet, sorry, Corbet, right guard Edwards, and a right tackle Evans. Again, four combined starts for those three guys. Uh, so those are two things you need to know. But looking at the Bears, uh, they were able to kind of dial up some pressure against Detroit, even though the Lions were yet another team that were able to kind of figure out how to maintain Cleo Mack. So, Nick, I know you, I'm sure you want to talk about that in terms of teams finding a way to, you know, combat Cleo Mack and what he can do. Uh, so why don't you start off with that and then go ahead and feel free to dive into one of those matchups in the trenches you keep an eye on. Yeah, so I, if you guys haven't had a chance to read Adam Hogue, uh, WGN reporter, his article about Khalil Mack and why he hasn't been effective, you should definitely go do that. Uh, basically, teams are, and they're, being, they're smart for doing this, they're game planning for Khalil Mack. Uh, whether it's like 60 or 70 steps that a defense will maybe have to go against in the game, really how he kind of uh, did the research. It comes down to really nine plays where Cleo Mack has one-on-one opportunities to go get the quarterback. And I think in the game, I forget which game he actually calculated for, he won six of the nine times and was able to, you know, uh, do some good things against that uh, offensive line that he, he scheduled for. But that's the thing. Teams are smart for doing this. And I think what the Bears need to do with Cleo Mack is just move him around a little bit more right before the snap, right before uh, the offense snaps that ball. Just have Khalil Mack on the move so you can't really, regardless if you're catering your your coverage to that side or giving an extra blocker to that side, just switch it at the very last second. I know that puts people out of position, but Khalil Mack needs to start impacting games like he used to, and he usually does a pretty darn good job of doing that in prime time. So I think this is just a great matchup, though. You talked about it. These four combined starts between three players – that is something Khalil Mack, the Bears defense, is probably looking at. This is where we can make our impact felt. Look, you have Andrew Whitworth, who's going to be the left tackle. Austin uh, Cobert, Cobet is going to be the Corbett, left guard. Yeah. I say yeah, they. Austin. Apparently, I'm fancy. Oh, okay. You're fancy, Will. I'm apparently and then so. Austin, yeah, Austin Blythe, who is I know him because he went to Iowa. Seventh-round draft pick is now going to be the center. David Edwards, right guard, and Bobby Evans, right tackle. The Bears should take complete advantage of this 
Rams offensive line. It doesn't matter whether you double team Khalil Mack. Other guys should win their one-on-one matchups. And so when I'm looking at Bobby Evans, whether it is on a Leonard Floyd or Khalil Mack, they should win that matchup. Andrew Whitworth has not had the season that he's had in years past. I like Khalil Mack in that one. I like Khalil Mack to have a great comeback game against this Rams offensive line. And look, the Rams know that. They know they're in a bad spot right now. They're going to get the ball out quick, but they're going to have to throw the ball downfield because they like to run those deep in routes. That's going to give these pass rushers for the Bears a lot of opportunities. Nick Williams, one of the better interior guys right now at sacking the quarterback against an Austin Blythe who's out of position. I like that matchup. So wherever you look at it right now, Will, I like the Bears' one-on-one matchups that they're going to have in this game. And they don't even have enough players to really double-team guys at this point. So many guys have gone down. So I'm really you know, ecstatic about what the Bears can possibly do on Sunday night in terms of getting pressure on Jared Goff. Yeah, like you said, no matter where you look, there seems to be a favorable matchup for the Bears. Uh, you talked about Khalil Mack uh, going up against her left tackle. I want to know, though, right tackle, Bobby Evans. Do you know how many snaps he's played in the NFL? I'm going to guess like five. <laughs> Good job. Three. Three snaps oh. in the NFL. And he's someone you're looking at research. Obviously, you can't take anything from his street snaps he's played so far this year. He's a rookie. So I looked into some of his training camp notes. All the reporters for the Rams uh, just talked about how bad he was against second and third stringers and just how god-awful he is. He's going up against a Cleo Mack. That's not a second or third stringer. That's you know that's a all pro. That's a Hall of Fame type of talent in Khalil Max. So that should be a great matchup for the Bears to exploit. And like I said, even if they try to double team, okay, leave one of these other guys in a one on one situation. Should be able to take care of business. You talked about center Austin Blythe. Uh, he's someone who's been moved around all year. He's tra- he's played three positions. Uh, he's allowed twenty six pressures, two sacks. He's going to be going up against. You talked about Nick Williams. Don't forget about an Eddie Goldman, who's another another quiet yet sturdy year for him. And then if you have looking at that right guard, David Edwards, uh, Nick Williams again pops up, but Edwards, a rookie out of Wisconsin. Uh, he is from Downers Grove, Illinois. Just wanted to kind of throw that out there as well. Uh, but this will be only his fourth game. Uh, he has three penalties in his first three games. He's allowed five pressures in a sack. And he's also, in his first three games, he's played three positions. So he's been all over the place. So not only is the talent lacking, but they're all over the place. Their mind is all over the place. They're not really settled into one home on that offensive line. So all of this combined should really lead uh, in favor of the Bears. And like you said, no matter where you look, uh, this is going to be a game where the Bears should win these situations. We haven't even talked about like a Roy Robertson-Harris yet who can be in there and making plays against any of these guys, depending on where he's lined up. you have anything else about that offensive line? I mean, it's, it's in flux. I mean, it's a serious problem for L.A. It really is, and I don't know if you had a chance to watch the film, Will, of just the Pittsburgh and Rams game. Those offenses, were both of them, were so bad and made the Bears look good on offense. I'm I'm really expecting a great game from this Bears defense, in part because we'll probably talk about him next or pretty soon. Jared Goff is not the same quarterback that got paid who knows how much money in the offseason and he's a part of the issue obviously not having a good offensive line affects how he's going to play but yeah this this offensive line is not good and the bears should even being down a day and trevathan even being down a keem hicks they should have a good day or a good night on sunday 
You're just cheating all episode. Let's jump into Jared Goff. He said he's not the same quarterback. I want to know why and what can the Bears do to make sure he doesn't have a you know revelation and have like you know shades of old kind of pop out. Yeah, no, I just don't think Jared Goff right now is seeing the field well. Whether he does have time, I think it's just in his head he doesn't. And so he's making throws that are not one there, and he's just trying to fit the ball into tight coverage. Uh, I'm, I'm just going back to that. Even the the game against Pittsburgh, I just don't know what he's really looking at. He holds the ball on for a while too. If he does have time, making himself more susceptible to you know those fumbles in the pocket. He's just not the same quarterback that got paid you know a a lot of money. I think the Super Bowl appearance really swayed that because I think we tweeted from the account like over the past 16 games, him and Trubisky's stats, they're somewhat similar. I think Goff has more yards or something like that, but Goff has not looked good and he's throwing these interceptions. That's he, the, Yeah, that's the thing. Goff has more yards. He has more touchdowns, but he has a lot more interceptions. So like the interception to touchdown ratio is in heavy favor of Trubisky, at least protecting that football. Like we know he struggled to put into the end zone Trubisky, but uh, at least he's not turning it over at the same clip as a Jared Goff. Yeah, absolutely. And look, Jared Goff is a good quarterback when he has a perfect situation. When the pocket's clean, his guy breaks on the route perfectly, and then the ball is delivered. But when things, when he has to start making plays off schedule, that's where Goff gets into these bad tendencies that we've seen this season, and that's why the Rams are so far, uh, you know, from that Super Bowl team that they once were and had this unstoppable offense. And look, he really relies on Cooper Cup a lot to make this offense get going. And when they took him away, what game was that? It was uh, against Pittsburgh just last week. He was not the same quarterback whatsoever. But, yeah, a big part of this Rams offense is because Jared Goff has not been a a good quarterback, to say you know um, bluntly there. He hasn't been good. You know what's weird? And I just remembered this. <laughs> wasn't last year the year that Goff and Trubisky like lived together for a summer and an offseason and like trained together, and now they're going through very – similar situations it's weird yeah i think yeah it was a couple of years i think uh also we were saying at some point in the season like trubisky reached out to golf like like how do you get out of this slump well they could both talk about it because they're both in it right now because they they have not played some really good football as of late yeah they better go through their contacts list and try to find some other people to reach out Drew to breeze tom brady you know those aaron Rodgers. like there are guys that you could definitely talk to that are playing some good football i don't think rogers would give trubisky any advice yeah i don't well he is a bit of a he doesn't like his family so just putting that there you go <laughs> there you go uh so you talked about guys in like cooper cup and i mean we have a lot of targets and let's go ahead and talk about those matchups here and cup like you said the steelers took him out of the equation i didn't need to watch the film to know that my fantasy team felt that my <laughs> fantasy team felt that but for real though they found a way to take him out so you're looking at buster you know screen here huge matchup for him because and heck okay Brandon's not here anymore, but spoiler alert, my X Factor is going to be Buster Screen, and I'm going to explain why right here, because Cooper Cup, he's not just the NFL's seventh leading receiver. He's been the most productive slot receiver in the NFL. That's where he has the most of his targets, or most more than any other receiver in the NFL. He has 68 slot targets. He lines up in a slot on 72% of all of his snaps, and his 45 catches and 600 yards just in the slot all lead the NFL by a lot. And, of course, we know Buster Screen. Now, he's been very solid all season in the nickel, but this is by far 
his biggest test. If this is a game where he's allowing Cup to eat him alive and we have to double-team him and open up some other areas of the field, that's going to change the entire dynamic of this game. But if even if Screen doesn't shut him down, if he can just find a way to limit a Cooper Cup's impact, no big plays, making sure he's not that go-to guy on third down, that should be enough for this Bears defense to really have the advantage, to really dominate in this game. So for me, spoiler alert, X-Factor, Buster Screen, because of that matchup against Cooper Cup. How about you, Nick? Anything else on that matchup or any others on your mind? No, I'm going to my X-Factor, though, because we're doing this early and because I've been jumping early all, all, all show, really. All right. I'm going with Eddie Jackson. Remember last year's game where Eddie Jackson was really breaking on those in-cuts that the Rams love to run? He was just a step quicker than when Jared Goff was releasing the football and when these receivers are breaking on the in-route. Well, guess what? The, the Rams love to run that route. That's where they get a lot of these big plays in the middle of the field, where it's Cooper Cup, Robert Woods coming on that deep in cut. We need to see Eddie Jackson kind of emerge as that playmaking safety that we really haven't seen all season. Just allow the instincts to kind of take over. If he sees it happening, jump that route. So that's going to be my X factor for this one, whether the safeties can break on these in routes because the Rams love to run it. And even though the Bears are going to apply pressure and the Pittsburgh Steelers were applying pressure, they still run that play very often from both sides as well from either receiver. So I want to see Eddie Jackson go back to being that instinctive, just playmaking safety that we just haven't seen this season. But if he can do that, that's going to really limit what Jared Goff can do what this Rams offense can do, and hopefully just create turnovers that we really haven't seen uh, from this Bears defense. All right, one last question here in terms of these battles. Gerald Everett, the tight end, or wide receiver Robert Woods, which one worries you over the other? Well, it depends on who's guarding Everett, and if it is man-to-man coverage. Most likely what I think the Bears are actually going to do in this one is maybe go to that big dime package and bring Deion Bush into the game as opposed to maybe having a Kwiatkowski in coverage. I think that would be a smart move for Pagano for this Bears defense instead of having, look, Kwiatkowski filled in great. We know what he's good at. It isn't pass coverage though. So if the Bears want to, you know, get out of, you know, situations where you have to put Kwiatkowski in coverage, go to that big dime package. I think that will be a favorable matchup. So I guess to answer your question, it's more Everett that I'm worried about if Kwiatkowski's in the game in coverage. Yeah, the Bears this season, they've been allowing tight ends to have some very productive games. So Everett's definitely a good one as well. And for Woods, he's going to have a combination of Fuller and Mukamara. Uh, just based off of checking out his snap counts, he does primarily line up on the right side of the line of scrimmage, so the Bears defense is left. So he'll get a lot of Kyle Fuller. And if that's the matchup, I feel pretty good about what uh, Fuller's able to do. It's a good week for uh, the, the Rams not to have a – uh, Brandon Cooks out there. And just real quickly, Josh Reynolds, he is someone who can be a deep threat. He has a lot of speed. He's a long, lengthy, wide receiver. Uh, he is someone who I did have projected to go to the Bears like three, four years ago in the early stages of this podcast when I really liked coming out of Texas A&M. So just wanted to kind of throw him out there. Like, don't sleep on him because he can make a play because he's very underrated, someone that people don't usually game plan for. So when he's out there, they may not notice him, and he has that speed to beat us over the top. All right, let's transition, though. You talked about Todd Gurley earlier. Uh, he's not getting the touches like he's had in years past. He's still a very good running back, though. 
uh, that the Bears must account for, but he's just not seeing the football. Uh, the Rams are 20th in the NFL in rushing yards per game at 96.2. And we know the Bears defense has been pretty good all season at stopping the run, but I'm going to say they're good, but they're inconsistent. Uh, they have three games where they've allowed 140 yards on the ground. Three games. And all those, by the way, were losses, just to let you know. Uh, but in the other six games, every single one of them, they allowed less than 98. So there's a huge discrepancy about what teams can do against this Bears defense. Either they run it all over them or the Bears do a really great job of stopping it. So good but inconsistent is what I'm going to call this Bears run defense. And obviously the Rams, Ty Gurley, he's not getting the touches. Like I said, I think he's down like five per game compared to where he's been in game, in years past. Uh, my guest on Tuesday talked about why he thinks it is a combination of the offensive line, uh, trying to keep Gurley healthy, questionable play calling, things that we kind of know of as well here. But what are you expecting from the Bears' run defense? Well, I'm not expecting much of Todd Gurley, so I'm expecting this Bears' run defense to do a fairly good job on Sunday night. Look, he only had 12 attempts in the loss against Pittsburgh. That was a 17-12 to game. He only had 10 attempts in the win against Cincinnati, 20, you know, 24 to 10 games. So he hasn't been getting the ball a lot. And I think it really has to do with that. I think it was what the arthritis that he had in his knee. He's on mm -hmm. a snap count. He really is. He hasn't gotten more than 20 carries in any game so far this season. The most he's had was 18 in a 37 to 10 victory over the Falcons. The Rams are not using him to, you know, the to what his I think his capability is that I think it really has to do with that knee that he's still dealing with because if it wasn't the case, you would see Todd Gurley, one of the better backs in the league, getting more carries. You'd want to see the Rams establishing some kind of offense, a rush, rushing attack so he can set up the play action. But he's he's obviously dealing with something I'm not, and hopefully I don't jinx the Bears here, I'm not too worried about Todd Gurley, to be completely honest. I know this game is a lot different than last year, and the Bears were able to shut that down. They shut down the entire Rams uh, last, last year in Chicago, and this is obviously in Los Angeles. But I'm not too worried about this Rams rushing attack. So I'm very confident in what the Bears are capable of doing, despite not having – Akeem Hicks, and also Dan Trevathan. Nick, like I said earlier, Nick Kwiatkowski, if they're, the Rams are trying to establish the run, this is a good game to have a, a Nick Kwiatkowski because that is what he does best, just filling running lanes and making tackles. Yeah, he's a very, uh, you know, a violent punisher too once he's in that, you know, running lane when he hits that gap hard and he goes and punches those running backs. Uh, yeah, you talked about all the reasons why he did not worry about Todd Gurley. Let's take it three steps back and remember that offensive line we talked about. For every reason that we said how bad they were, earlier still translates here and you're not running the football behind those group of guys so this Bears defense should be in good shape and I do have a stat down here for who has the edge and we'll get to that in just a moment uh just another reason why maybe we shouldn't worry about a Todd Gurley in this game but Nick before we get to that uh, do you have anything else either on the Bears defense or the Rams offense you want to make sure we know about uh, nothing new. It's just all about getting pressure on golf, and that's where good things will happen for the Bears' defense and obviously bad things for the Rams' offense. All right, real quick, red zone third down. Bears' defense 11th in the NFL, allowing teams to score touchdowns once it reached the red zone on 51.6% of trips. The Rams' offense, just like the rest of the team, middle of the pack, uh, 15th in the NFL, getting in there at 59.4%. I did want to point out just how close it is in the NFL, right? They're 15th at 59.4%. The Bears are 10th at 60.9%. So oh. 
It's literally like one trip can move you around. So that's why I like to put it into context. It's not usually all about the rankings, but you need to know where everyone else kind of stands and how close it is. And on third down, Bears defense, third in the uh, third, 11th in the NFL at 35.5%, and the Rams offense, 22nd. So they're struggling as well. Not as bad as the Bears, but they're struggling. Uh, converting on third down on 36.4% of the time. Definitely missing Todd Gurley. Definitely missing an offensive line. All right, it's time to find out who has the edge, and we'll just both share Bears pass rush, Rams offensive line. I think we already know our answer, but do you want to go on record? Yeah, we'll go on record with saying the Bears pass rush is going to win that one. Yep, I don't think we need to go into any more details as to why. Nick, over to you for Bears secondary, the Rams passing attack. Uh, you know, Jared Goff is not playing really good football right now. I have to give it to this Bears secondary. Like I said, with the X-Factor with Ajax, I'm expecting him to have a a big game uh, this week. So I have to go Bears secondary as well. All right. And last but not least, for me, the Bears run defense, Rams ground game. Again, no Danny Trevathan for this one. Should be no problem. Uh, This one's going to go for the Bears defense. I expect them to be physical up front this week. Shouldn't have much of a problem with that offensive line. And then here's that stat I wanted to make sure to share. In Todd Gurley's two games against the Bears, he averages 12 carries for 36.5 yards per game. So the Bears historically has done a good job at stopping Todd Gurley, and that's a younger, healthier Todd Gurley behind a better offensive line. So he may not have that low of numbers. He may have more than 36.5 yards, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had less than 50 yards on the ground this game. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't even reach 25, to be honest. So for me, the Bears' run defense has the edge here. We already talked about our X-Factors. Recap, I had Buster Screen. You had who again? Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson. All right. Oh, so, you know, I do want to oh, say this real quick. Well, look at just kind of looking. Yeah, just kind of looking last week. Just want to show you what the drives were for the Rams against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they went five plays, punt, five plays, punt, uh, punt on three plays, five plays, punt, punt, fumble return, touchdown for the Steelers, a punt a missed field goal, an interception, another interception, a field goal, punt, punt, lose a ball on downs, interception. That was the Rams' offense. This you know unit just last year lit the world up on fire. You see what happens when you don't have an offensive line, and obviously the quarterback's not playing good football, That and you take out Cooper Cup, that is the performance. They scored three points on offense. And just laid an egg against a Pittsburgh Steelers team. Yes, they're five and four, but man, the Bears defensively have to be really excited about this one. I know they go on the road, but they have to be excited about playing a Rams offense that has played just like that a week ago. You say that, and I'm like, I can probably pull a game out of a hat randomly the Bears <laughs> played this year, and we can go drive by drive, and that'd be pretty damn identical. That would be probably week one where they only scored three points. No, I, they haven't been. been- they, they've okay. scored more than three. Yeah, but uh, I'm talking about punt, punt, three plays right. and now one minute But that's drive. the Rams. That's the Rams, though. They were known for offense last yeah, year. The Bears weren't ever known. But, yeah, it just shows you what, what can ha- a year's difference, what can happen. The Bears are the same, but that's not good for the Rams. No. All right. Uh, anything on the third phase before we get into our prediction segment? I don't have anything this week. Besides Pinero, let's not miss uh, an extra point. Let's, uh, this is going to be a... I envision a low-scoring game, a game that every point's going to count. So 
hit your kicks. I think that's going to be a big one this week because you may not find your way into the end zone. So if you get across the 35, let's put some points on the board. Yeah, so I think both these defenses obviously have the advantage in this game. So let's see if one of these return. I'm looking at Trey Cohen to maybe put this Bears offense in a better position not to have to drive the field. He's been pretty good at, you know, taking punts and getting the most out of them. So I think this is a good opportunity for Trey Cohen, who I think as of right now you can go and vote for him in the Pro Bowl as a special teams uh, or return specialist. You can do that, but... This would definitely help him in his favor if he can make some favorable yardage happen on some punts because the Bears are going, I, I expect them to force a lot of them come Sunday night. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking uh, right now. They allow 23.3 yards per kick return, and they allow only 7.8 yards per punt return. So we'll see exactly how that goes. Those are pretty average stats overall but getting into our predictions nick do you have a bold prediction for us to kick this thing off all right here we go so like i said uh this is a favorable matchup for this bears defense i'm expecting cleo mack and leonard floyd to go off in this one i'm expecting two sacks each for a bold prediction and cleo mack where are these forced fumbles at we've saw those so frequently we're gonna see a, uh, a sack forced fumble come sunday night but Four sacks between Floyd and Mac, and a forced fumble by Mac as well. I like it. I went a little unorthodox this week. I looked at last time uh, that these two teams played, and I was like, well, what do I remember most about that game? And it was the turnovers and the turnovers. There were seven <laughs> turnovers in that game. So my bold prediction is we're going to top that somehow. And we're going to see an eight-turnover football game. Now, I don't have a bold prediction of how those are going to be divvied up. That could be eight for the Rams. Probably not the case. Uh, it could be four and four. It could be two and six. I don't know. But hopefully this is wrong. But with both defenses and how they have the huge advantages in this game, I believe that – I don't believe. My bold prediction is you're going to see eight turnovers, which would just be absolutely a long, atrocious Sunday night for us to kind of break out uh, after the fact. But MVB, who do you think will be our MVB when it's all said and done, Mr. Moriano? Ooh, good question, Will. Uh, MVB, I think if – I'm like I said, we haven't seen Cleo Mack ever since really that London game, and he, sh he always tends to show up in prime time. This is where you see why you paid Cleo Mack the money when it's all said and done – whether it is you know making a tackle for loss or making the big impact plays like a sack, when it comes down to it, Khalil Mack is going to outperform Aaron Donald and be the MVP come Sunday night. I like it. All right. For me, I'm going to go to my defensive X Factor, actually. Buster Screen I already mentioned this big matchup, and I think he is a big physical nickel corner that can win this matchup, and I really think he could do it. So for me... Uh, I think if he can find a way to hold, like I said, Cooper Cup to make sure he's not that third down go-to guy. You said it, and you showed it. They had a hard time after you shut down Cooper Cup against uh, last week against Pittsburgh. This offense just kind of sputters. Uh, so for me, uh, he's going to hold Cup to only three catches, 33 yards on the entire night, and he's going to also have an interception on one of those targets. So for me, I'm hopeful we can give uh, Buster Screen some MVB honors, someone who hasn't really given, you know, his, I don't think he's gotten one yet, so I want him to get one so far this season but nick it's time for game predictions what's gonna be the final score yeah so this is a winner go home literally matchup the mm -hmm. bears lose this game they're officially they're pretty much done the rams lose this game they're done 
So with a must win, really, they're all must wins at this point. But I see the Bears winning this one in Los Angeles, you know, going on a two game winning streak. And just looking at last year's score, 15 to six, that's looking pretty good right now. Except I'll go, we'll go the same exact score, 15 to six, very low scoring in terms of how this one's going to match up, even though it's in Los Angeles. See the Bears gain that second victory in a row and really just eliminating the Rams from playoff contention. But 15 to six Bears. All right. Uh, I'm going lower scoring overall. I think I'm trying to do the math in my head, uh, but I'm going 10 to nine bears. The bears there don't allow a single touchdown. They allow three field goals and we get a touchdown in the field goal. It's going to be a big defensive game. I think it's going to be a lot of defense, super low scoring. I'm going 10 to nine bears on top. How confident are you in your uh, prediction? <laughs> that's that's the question there. Well, I, you know, what? I'm writing this high from going to the Bears game and actually seeing a victory and knowing this is a must win confidence level. I liked what the Bears are going to be able to do against this Rams offensive line. I'm still going to give it like a six, though, in terms of my confidence meter six that the Bears actually pulled us off. Nice. I put five point nine in my notes. So we're along the same lines. And like you said, uh, if the Bears defense can do what they did a season ago. We should be in pretty good shape here. And this is a do-or-die game, like you said, uh, for the Bears, which is going to be the case each and every week. But uh, this is another team that's fighting mathematically for their playoff lives. So they're going to be giving it you know, everything that they can as well. I don't see this game scoring over t- any team going over 20 points, especially the Bears who can't score 20 points. Oh, they've got 20, but they can't score they over 20. 20. <laughs> they did it like once or twice this season. But again, the Rams offense in spurts this season has been potent, but that offensive line over the last month has just been uh, ripped apart. And now they're trying to find all these different Band-Aids to put it together to stop the bleeding. And I don't think you're going to find a way to stop the bleeding against the Bears. But this may end up be a game of which defense wants it more. I think it'll be the Bears defense when it's all said and done. Uh, it's going to want it more. I hope so. And I really hope the Bears end up winning this one because I want to continue to have a season where at least we're in the hunt. Because if we're still in the hunt, we're still in the fight, and there's still hope, and there's still life. So for me, I'm really hoping we can find a way to pull this one out. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, like like we said, this is uh, winner go home and – Hopefully we see the Bears show up for a primetime game. I remember they were like talking, should they flex the Bears out of this? Well, win another game here against the Rams in primetime. People maybe start to take you not not seriously yet, but there's going to be a little spark. The Bears are still hanging on there, and they can catch momentum with the win. They're still, they're, like you said, Will, there's still going to be a little bit of hope, but we'll see what camp happens uh, come Sunday night. I see Charles Lincoln here in the chat uh, dissing on the Chicago Audible ESPN Fantasy League team. And, yeah, it's been a pretty tough season there on the ESPN <laughs> side, leading both Yahoo League. So I- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I need to definitely be playing more Yahoo Fantasy uh, football in my future, but ESPN, yeah, uh, our official teams are not doing so hot. You're right, Charles, but 
Gotcha. Well, not you personally, but I got people over on Yahoo. I'm feeling pretty good about our chances to win maybe some of those leagues. But that's going to do it for this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed our game preview. I had no, I had a lot of fun uh, talking with Nick here, previewing everything you need to know between this Bears-Rams game, heading into it. Uh, make sure if you enjoyed the show as well to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. One last reminder, on the post-game show, we'll kind of let you know how you can enter this raffle to join us at the Bears-Chiefs game, like eight to 10 rows. I'll have the exact row too, but we're close to the field uh, and we're in the 100 level. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, right now it's a primetime game. Matt Nagy going up against Andy Reid, Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes. Should be a lot of fun. Hopefully you want to join us at that game. And again, the next time that you hear from Nick and I will be as soon as that final whistle blows late on Sunday night. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.